to the Street Center Podcast. And welcome in, folks, to another edition of the Streak Center Podcast. I am your host, Noah Taluki, flying solo with you guys this week as Paul and Dresden could not make it. But we have a loaded baked potato for you on this fourth edition of the Streak Center Podcast this season. Look for all of our other episodes uh, by visiting uh, jcsports.com and checking out all of the other links that we've had for the podcast this year. This is a big one this week because we have our first OAC championships uh, that a team is participating in. This week it is men's and women's cross country. It's going to be at the Angus Moorhead Farm in Mus- at Muskingum University. We're going to have two guests from the cross country teams, senior Erica Esper and junior Caleb Correa. They will join us later for what was an outstanding interview with a lot of great answers and, and, a, and a real solid preview, I thought of what the OAC championships will be like this year. But we're going to dive right in to what uh, this amazing week of, of Blue Streak Athletics, and, and we're going to start with first with football. Football coming up with a big 42-10 to victory over the Comets of Capital University. And I got to say, just another impressive and dominant victory. And, and you know, Capital, even with Capital being the only winless team in the OAC, they move now to 0-7 overall and 0-6 in conference play. This was a team that they really battled throughout the whole game. And it was a it was a team that, you know, they're they're in the rebuilding phases with third-year head coach Brian Foose, really trying to still establish a, a culture at Capital. And remember, this is a team that about 10, 15 years ago was in the top 10 of the national rankings. So it's not like this team has always been, you know, winless and in, in, in this low in the OAC polls. So Brian Foose is definitely trying to uh, trying to get them back up uh, in the OAC standings. And uh, you know, you could just tell how how they fought the whole game. And you know, they they actually were able to make a couple of plays uh, on the John Carroll defense. But John Carroll overall, in the end, was was just too much. And uh, Joe Collins, just an impressive day yet again. 17 of 22 for 342 yards and four touchdowns. Career highs in yards and touchdowns for the senior. Joe's now completing 68% of his passes. That is unbelievable. He would be on pace uh, to have one of the top seasons in John Carroll history in completion percentage uh, if if this holds up this season. So uh, it's it's been really good to see Joe's development as well as a quarterback because, you know, really in the beginning, uh, you know, in the first game of the season against Washington Jefferson, he had three interceptions and he fumbled away the football. So four turnovers. He's only had two turnovers since. So uh, one interception in, in a fumble as well. But it's uh, it, it's really good to see him blossoming and, and becoming the quarterback that I think this this team thought they had all along. Um, also, a couple of other and, – and for that performance, I should say, Joe Collins did win Offensive Player of the Week from the OAC as well. Evan McVeigh with over 100 yards again on the ground, 12 carries for 105 and two scores. Also for John Carroll receiving – was Brennan Few. He is just absolutely having a monster year. Again, eight catches, 176 yards, and two touchdowns. Those two touchdowns came on his first two receptions of the game, and he outran everyone on those plays. I mean, it was, these were just short, quick passes from, from Collins, and he was able to just outrun the entire Capitol defense. So really impressive to see there. And and, and another, another another thing that really impressed with, with John Carroll was 
was their defensive play. And I know, just knowing the defense, I know that they're going to be upset with giving up those 10 points. But they did have nine sacks as a team overall. That is tied for second most in a game in program history. The most was 10 set in 2018 against Otterbein. So uh, just overall, being able to pressure the quarterback, there were times that uh, that Capitals quarterbacks were just under duress, and uh, they Coach Jeff Long would just call a blitz, and um, you know immediately as soon as the ball was snapped, there'd be someone in the backfield. Um, leading the way, Nick Costanzo having a career day: nine tackles, four for a loss, and two and a half sacks. And without to mention Gr- Griffin Lidyard too; he also had nine tackles and two sacks. So this is a, Griffin Lidyard is another guy that's been really playing well on the defensive line. And, uh, you know, just a sophomore from, from Avon Lake on the west side of Cleveland, but a guy that has just continued to develop, to, to develop every single game. And he's not even a starter. He's really just more of a rotational guy, but he is so valuable to this defense. And I think that just speaks to the depth that uh, in, instead of rebuilding, it's reloading. <laughs> so um, this is uh, really, really impressive to see uh, from John Carroll as they just keep uh, – it's, it's all gas, no breaks. It is uh, it, it is full throttle forward for these guys, and uh, really in all three phases of the game as well. How about Grant Gagne even uh, booting? He only needed to boot three punts, but averaging over 51 yards a punt. John Carroll in special teams, they actually lead the nation in net punting, thanks to this guy right here, Grant Gagne. And they're also top 50 nationally in kick return average, punt return average, kick return defense, punt return defense. So really, even even the special teams are, are, are playing so well, and um, it's really good to see the uh, the this this team firing on all cylinders. And uh, go back last week to check out our interview with Tadis Tatarunas, the tight end, and, and Nick Costanzo, who we just mentioned. Uh, it was an excellent interview, as they talk a lot about the transition uh, between Coach Finati and Coach Nystrom, and what the uh, you know how they've been able to keep up this intensity. This season. So overall, in the OAC standings, it is still Mount Union and John Carroll, the only two undefeated teams in conference play this year. Baldwin Wallace 5-1. and one. Their only loss was to JCU. And then Heidelberg with the 4-2 and two record as well. And then Muskingum is the Blue Streak's next opponent. That will be on Saturday, October 29th, a 1.30 start in New Concord at Muskingum at their new stadium as well that was just dedicated earlier this year. I remember going with the volleyball team uh, last year to Muskingum for their OAC tournament and seeing the whole field under construction with an indoor field house and and workout facilities and, and all that as well attached to the football field. And now that is all done, and I'm sure it is absolutely beautiful uh, to see over there at uh, at Muskingum. So it'll be a busy day there in, in New Concord as well with the OAC championships in cross country that we will get to a little bit later as well. Muskingum 4 and 3 overall, 3 and 3 in conference play this season. But uh but a, a team that the Blue Streaks uh, definitely should not uh, overlook just like any other team uh, in the OAC. A couple of uh they beat Capital 37-7, lost to Mount Union 59 nothing. Lost to Heidelberg 42-21, beat Otterbein 41-35, lost to BW 35-21, and then are coming off of a 23-7 victory over the Polar Bears of Ohio Northern. So, uh, And then, of course, the week after, the big game against Mount Union in Alliance, most likely will be the OAC Championship game. And then the, and then the Blue Streaks finale will take place on November 12th at home for Senior Day against Otterbein, who is 2-5 and five 
in overall play, 1-5 in the OAC. We're going to move on now to volleyball. And I got to say, folks, this volleyball team continues to impress me year or week after week. And I know they, they had a couple setbacks um, you know, last week after the big, big victory over Ohio Northern 3-1. Uh, first win over the Polar Bears since 2001. They lost to Otterbein three to one. But Otterbein, I mean, this this is a team that is is at the top of the OAC right now. They're 20 and five overall, seven and one in OAC play. They will probably lock up that number one seed for the tournament, which will start next week. But they rebounded well. They beat Capital three to zero, and then against Mount Union in a game in a match that the Blue Streaks had to pretty much win to clinch their spot. In the OAC tournament, they beat the Purple Raiders three to two. And I gotta say, folks, this was a this was a match where they were down 2-0 to begin. But something that I've learned about this team this season, there is no quit in these blue streaks. No matter how no matter how much they're down by, they always seem to find a way to come back and at least make it close, most of the time winning the match. I mean, get this. Down in the first set. They lost that one 25-13. Now, it, was, it started out a little bit back and forth, probably till about the 7th or 8th point, and then Mount Union just, just took over after that. And same with the second set. Kind of started off a little back and forth, uh, but then Mount Union charged ahead 25-14, and then no quit at all. 25-23, the Blue Streaks took the third, 25-18, the fourth, and then the, the key fifth, which was a back-and-forth boxing match. The Blue Streaks prevailed in the end. 15 to 13. And I, I got to say, too, folks, this John Carroll team did not hit well at all to begin. I mean, they hit a grand total of 5% in set one and 0% in set two. Zero. Then they come back uh, a little bit better in the third, 14.3, and then fourth, 41.2, and then 21.7 in the fifth. Just, But you could just tell that they didn't really have the rhythm going, um, and uh, they did not look like... Uh, I, I didn't know, like, like just from, from my perspective, I didn't know what that team was out there in the, in the first two sets. That was not the John Carroll volleyball team that I've seen uh, this season, but the team that I've seen this season play really well was the team that showed up in the third, fourth, and fifth sets. So I, I got to say, though, it was because the Mount Union had one of the best players in the OAC, Heaven Bartell. Uh, she was a first-team All-OAC as a freshman last year. And uh, yeah, I think overall the Blue Streaks did a good job of, of containing her um, as well, and really the rest of the team, especially the last three sets. And this is just another thing about this team is is how good they are defensively. You know, the, these are these are balls uh, that Mount Union was hitting that – and and it's similar to similar to the ONU game a little bit where they you know they they were really really hard balls to to get defensively but the blue streaks were managing that's a big credit to Peyton Miazzi and Lexi McDonald in the back row there uh, for John Carroll but uh, and and the other thing too is um, the key about this volleyball team is if you get Cassie Calamunsi going they're unstoppable they feel unstoppable they have all the confidence in the world and there were times. That they were that Ali and Ali Bartolone and Maddie Maziars and, and the setters out there, they were really getting their hitters going, especially Cassie. Cassie ended up with 18 kills on the match. Jen Fulmer also 10, and then Abby Abby Kirk with nine. And uh, as I mentioned, Lexi McDonald and Peyton Miazzi, 25 digs for Lexi and 17 for Peyton. 
also Cassie with 17 as well cuz Cassie's another one of those players on, on that right side um you know who 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 can hit but is also more flexible on the defensive end as well so that's why you'll see Lexi with or I'm sorry Cassie with uh with a little bit more digs as well but Cassie still leads the OAC in kills and uh last week she became the first or the th- only the third player in program history to eclipse 1500 kills on the season she has 327 to lead uh, the OAC this season. The Blue Streaks now will have their season finale against the Fighting Muskies of Muskingum at the Tony DiCarlo Varsity Center this weekend, Saturday, October 29th. That'll be their regular season finale, and uh, they'll also play Kenyon College. So typically, the last uh, ho- the last match of the season is against an OAC team and then a non-conference team. This year, it is Kenyon, so it'll be a uh, it'll be a try match because Kenyon will also face off against Muskingum. So it'll uh, it'll, it'll be it'll be real interesting. And and remember, Muskingum is the team that the Blue Streaks had to travel to last year for the OAC tournament. And they're down. Uh, they lost that one 3-0, but they really battled, battled in that one. So it'll be a nice, it'll be a nice rematch from last year's uh, OAC tournament. Right now, the OAC standings, as I mentioned, Otterbein leading the conference six and one. Marietta six and two. They the, one of their losses was to John Carroll, which was earlier in the season. John Carroll beat them 3-0, but they just lost to Otterbein 3-1. Uh, on Wednesday, so that's why they're six and two. And then there is a four-way tie for third: Mount Union five and three, Muskingum five and three, JCU five and three, ONU five and three. So this is going to be a much, much important match, I should say, for this Blue Streak team because so say there ends up being some sort of tiebreaker. They've already beaten Ohio Northern. They've already beaten Mount Union. Beating Muskingum would be very key. And I, I think, especially if now if Marietta wins, they would have seven and two. They would probably get the two seed. But Marietta has to play Ohio Northern in Ada. And that is no easy task. No matter how good or bad Ohio Northern is, that's no easy task. So if Marietta ends their season six and three, say, Ohio Northern would be six and three. They would be ahead of Marietta because of the tiebreaker because they beat them. But John Carroll has beaten Marietta and Ohio Northern. So John Carroll, at least what I can see here, if they now this is only if they beat Muskingum, they could possibly have the two seed in this tournament. This all depends on beating Muskingum. Now, if they lose to Muskingum, they will still be in the tournament. They have already clinched their spot in the OAC tournament. But this is big, this is a big, big game match, I should say. This weekend, this could determine a lot home court advantage or having to go on the road. And the Blue Streaks have never won an OAC tournament match in Coach Michelle Benoit's tenure here since 2016. So, and if they can get some sort of home court advantage, that would be quite impressive. And I think that, like I'm saying, guys, this this team is probably the best. John Carroll volleyball team that I've seen in the last six years that I've been here. It's it, it, it's quite special watching them play and um, eighteen and seven overall. Uh, I should add as well, just uh, just some unfortunate tough losses. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago to Baldwin Wallace and then Heidelberg, they probably will not make the tournament. They're three and five, both of them in conference play. But uh, 
just man, imagine if they played like they did against Ohio Northern or some of these other teams, uh, like like they did against BW in, in Heidelberg. We could be we could be thinking about a, a way different season. But regardless, it's a must win against Muskingum, and I think, according to what I'm looking at in the standings, I think John Carroll has a shot at possible you know a, a possible home playoff match. Uh, which would which would take is so so if they would get if they would get the three seed or I'm sorry the two seed, they would get a bye. They wouldn't have to play on Tuesday, November first. That would be on Thursday, November third, and that'd be a seven p.m. start. Because it would be the lowest remaining seed would play at number one, which is probably going to be Otterbein. The second lowest remaining seed would play the second seed, which could be John Carroll. Because Tuesday, November first, it'd be the six seed at the three seed. And the five seed at the four seed. So it is all going to depend on how this weekend shakes out. Oh, I can't wait. Volleyball is one of the most exciting sports here at John Carroll. And, um, you know, really, really hoping uh, anyone listening out there, if they can join us uh, on at, at noon on Saturday, October 29th, that's going to determine a lot. We could see some history by uh, by clinching a, a home playoff playoff. Uh, match for the first time in a very, very long time. Like I said, October 29th, Saturday at noon against Muskingum, and then there'll be a neutral match, Kenyon and Muskingum, and that'll be at 2, and then at 4 p.m., the Blue Streaks will end the regular season against Kenyon in uh, in non-conference play. And remember, that that match does not count towards anything with the OAC tournament. Uh, I, I'm sure it's, it's, it's definitely a match that the Blue Streaks want to win, uh, no, no doubt about that, but it does not factor into the tournament standings or or anything uh, for for next week's OEC tournament. Really, really exciting stuff. Uh, don't forget, folks, uh, to tune in a little bit later in the broadcast. We are going to have Caleb Correa and Erica Esper, two members of the John Carroll cross country teams, here pre- previewing their OEC championships at Muskingum this weekend. All right, I want to move on now to men's soccer. And men's soccer doing a great job overall after uh, after losing that match at home to Ohio Northern 2-1 to one, on October 15th. They have shut out each of their opponents by a score of 2 nothing. Beat Otterbein at Otterbein on October 19th. Took care of business in Bexley at Capital 2-0. And then Mount Union beating them. Two to zero on Wednesday, October twenty sixth. How about this at uh, against uh, the Purple Raiders? Mikey Burrington and Logan Penton were the two players. I'm sorry, Mikey Burrington and Jack Fote were the two players that scored uh, for JCU. And I gotta say, I remember Mikey Burrington in 2018, his freshman season, scoring the game winning overtime goal. Against Mount Union in in regular season play, I remember it was overtime, and he was just a freshman at the time. But now he is a fifth year senior, and uh, I gotta say, Mikey loves scoring against uh, against those Purple Raiders. <laughs> I, I I could tell, and I remember you know being on the Streak Center podcast that week when he scored, and I remember we were all real real excited because this was this was that was a match when. Uh, Mount Union was actually one of the top teams in the OAC at the time, and, and the Blue Streaks they really needed to win that uh, to to advance and 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 get that number one seed at home, and and that's why it was so big. And um, you know, seeing Mikey Mikey score there, 
uh, against Mount Union this year really uh, threw me back to that that 2018 game, uh, a game that I will uh, probably never forget uh, in in my time here at at, at JCU. But overall, uh, and and Jake Vogren as well, I, I got to say, um, you know, been very impressive in net this season. Twelve shutouts. Already has the program record for shutouts in a season with twelve, and we haven't even started OAC or uh, you know postseason competition yet. So, really, really good to see there from from the Blue Streaks and Coach Dan Mladenovic uh, keeps keeps the uh, the team moving. And uh, you know they found the, the good thing about this team too is that they found ways to score and they're playing very well defensively. Those are two key things um, in soccer. And, and of course, you know they always seem to have a guy. Um, that they they score and this is kind of their brand of J- John Carroll soccer is that they always have a, a ton of different guys uh, that's that score goals. It's not like it's it's not like one guy that's getting you know fifteen twenty goals. Uh, typically, it's 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 kind of like a score by committee thing, and I think that really helps throw some defenses off. Um, and you know if you if you just look at the uh, the goal leaders, I mean Patrick Koenig, Nick Felician, and Jack Fote each have four goals this season. Logan Penton with three, Hayden Hafner, Nick Ruggiero, Brennan Swan, and Mikey now have two goals each. So that is eight players with two or more goals, and then Ben Brucken and Daniel Kalick each have one. So um, 26 goals that they've scored uh, overall. But uh, but again, just, just kind of scoring by committee, and uh, it's good to see there from, from the Blue Streaks, uh, diversifying the scoring. I guess, if, if if you will. So, John Carroll is back in action this Saturday for Senior Day against Muskingum. Muskingum 2-13 overall, 1-7 in conference play. Nice, it should be a great Senior Day at Don Shula Stadium. But how the conference standings are working out right now, John Carroll, just because they lost to Ohio Northern, um, unfortunately, that probably means they will get the two-seed. Now, Ohio Northern, this weekend plays against Marietta at home. So anything can happen in that one. Uh, Marietta not having the best season, 5-9-3, uh, and 3-5 three, three, three and five overall, but it's OEC soccer. Anything can happen. Now, if John Carroll were to beat Muskingum and Ohio Northern lose to Marietta, John Carroll would get the one seed. But as of now, John Carroll, even if they win, would still most likely get the uh, the two-seed Otterbein four one and three, probably the three seed, and then Mount Union and Wilmington are tied four two and two, and then Capital three four and one uh, overall as well, and Marietta three and five. So those are probably the teams that are looking uh, that we're looking at to see possibly in the OAC tournament. Um, you know how very similar to how volleyball is, top six teams make it. Six seed plays at the three seed, five seed plays at the four seed, and then lowest remaining seed at the one seed on Thursday, November third. And then second lowest at the two seed as well. So uh, I think that's that is probably how it's going to shake out. Um, most likely we will get a uh, a home soccer match, uh, which w- which would be Thursday, since we would get the bye uh, and play on that Thursday. Last sport uh, to mention just before we get to the interview with Caleb Correa and Erica Esper, the women's soccer team. How about this? So. Women's soccer team now eight 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 and two overall. Now they're four and four in OAC play. They were not having a good stretch at all. I mean, I, I had mentioned a couple weeks ago they had lost to Baldwin Wallace four to one. Then they lost to ONU five zero. Then Otterbein and Capital lost those matches one zero and three zero. I mean, they hadn't scored a goal in two weeks. 
Then all of a sudden, they go to Alliance and play the Purple Raiders and beat them four to three. And this is this is a Mount Union team that came in, and you know they were they were four and three in conference play, and the Blue Streaks came in and and, and defeated them in what was a wild wild scoring game. And you know what? I think this game really warrants kind of like a like a, a little a little podcast radio highlights, uh, if you will, kind of like what Chris Berman used to do. At, at ESPN, so I, I want to. I just want to quickly recap this game because this this was really really uh, light, lightning fast here. How about this? So in the fifth minute, Madison Rosado strikes, assisted by Emily Patterzik. So the fifth minute already, the Blue Streaks score and they're up one nothing. And then in the ninth minute, just four minutes later, Emily Patterzik scores her eleventh goal of the season. I should say 12th, and it was on a penalty kick. So that the Blue Streaks went up 2 nothing. Then just two minutes later in the 11th minute, Claire Holland scores her first goal of the season. Madison Rosado and Meredith Kaloyan assisted on that goal. And then a little bit of wall in the action as they're up 3-0. And then in the 30th minute, so 11 minutes later, uh, I should say 19 minutes later, Grace Monin scored her second of the season, assisted by Allie Malinke. They go up 4 nothing, But... Mount Union is not out of it as Andrea Decker just one minute less than one minute later scores her 12th goal of the season to make it four to one. Then halftime comes and then in the 50th minute <laughs> there was an own goal. So Mount Union gets on the board again by after after an own goal from the Blue Streaks to make it four to two. Then just five minutes later Andrea Decker scores again. So uh, no assists there. To make it four to three, and it was in it was just back and forth at that point. Mount Union rattling shots off left and right, and Mackenzie Steese coming up big uh, in goal, and and also Juliana Contool um, split a little bit of time as well. She came in uh, in the final twenty five minutes as well. But uh, but I gotta say though, good job overall uh, defense, well offensively of course, uh, but defensively at the end of the uh, at the towards the end of the match, being able to stop all those shots that Mount Union was was uh, was shooting at, and um, it was really really good to see uh, the Blue Streaks finally pick up a, a much needed victory in uh, in in OAC play. So John Carroll eight 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 and two overall, four and four in OAC play. They'll have the tiebreaker over Mount Union. And I think this this possibly could have uh, been the match where the Blue Streaks clinch a spot in the OAC tournament. They will have to play Muskingum at Muskingum, which will be this Saturday, October 29th. That's a 1 p.m. start. And uh, Muskingum is 2-12-3 overall, 0-8 in OAC play. So uh, hopefully the Blue Streaks will rack up a win there, move to 5-4 and four in conference play, and earn their spot in the OAC tournament. Capital will probably get the one seed. They are 7-0-1. Ohio Northern 6-0-2. Otterbein 6-1-1. And And then that three-way tie for fourth, Mount Union 4-4, BW 4-4, and and JCU 4-4. So Baldwin-Wallace will get the tiebreaker over JCU if they end up winning on Saturday uh, just because uh, the Yellow Jackets beat John Carroll and then Mount Union. uh, They'll be ahead of, of the Purple Raiders. So... It'll be uh, it'll be real exciting to see how this all shakes out um, on the women's soccer side and especially the volleyball side uh, in in uh, next week's OAC tournament. Coming up next, we have an exclusive interview with Erica Esper and Caleb Correa, two members of the John Carroll men's and women's cross country teams. You don't want to miss this one, folks. Only on the Streak Center podcast. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to Streak Center on jcusports.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at StreakCenterJCU to stay up to date on guests, episodes, and more. Now, let's get back to the show. And joining us now here on the Streak Center podcast are two members of the John Carroll cross-country team, senior Erica Esper and junior Caleb Correa on Streak Center here just before the start of the OAC Championships at Muskingum. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Noah. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, this is my second time on the podcast last year with uh, Andrew Miner. Shout out to him. And happy to be here for round two with Caleb. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's exciting. And uh, so I, I want to ask you guys, uh, you know, you guys have had a pretty successful season so so far. Um, you know, and how how's that season been going? Uh, and, and so far, what do you guys think uh, you're most proud of uh, so far this season? Uh, yeah, I think our season has been going pretty well so far. Um, you know, the the thing that's really special about our team is that we have this bond, you know, both on the girls and guys side. And I think that's really unique by having one coach between both of our programs. It's It's unlike a lot of other programs and other sports in that way. And, you know, together we, we've really can't come together in uh, a lot of these races. And by bringing that togetherness, that sense of energy has really helped us to find success early and during the mid uh, points of the season. Absolutely. And to add on to that, I think it's been, yeah, like Erica said, a pretty, a pretty strong season so far. And we are, I think, picking up momentum uh, where we need to, honestly. Um, and I can especially speak on the guy side of things. We haven't had a race where all of our, you know, top runners have been there and all together. Um, and so getting to race everybody on the same day as, you know, conference kind of approaches is an exciting prospect for us, I think. And that's going to be um, something we're really looking forward to and we have been looking forward to. And I think keeping that in our minds as we go into it and as we've been training and preparing um, has been huge. And I know both on the men's and women's side this season as well, um, you know, you guys have had some tough injuries, um, you know, with, with members of your teams. Um, how have both of your teams persevered uh, through those injuries? Right, for sure. Um, we've had Sydney Janko out the whole year, which is a, a big loss for us. And same thing with Emmeline Hannon. Um, so having those two out is definitely, you know, uh, not great for the, the team. But because of that, uh, fortunately, we've had a lot of individual members step up. Uh, Morgan Edwards, in particular, has been having a breakout sophomore year. Um, and same thing, uh, Sarah Weldon's been contributing a lot and we've had two freshmen uh Sydney Wingler and Abby Schroff both both step up big time as freshmen um so uh together um you know we've really been able to try and counter those losses and um you know move forward and find success yeah for us on the guys side you know there have been some serious injuries we've lost you know um for parts of the season and a lot of the guys are luckily you know getting back into form now but I mean um Barrett, uh, Dominic, um, I'd say Johnny, uh, Ethan's had some stuff on and off and, and a variety of guys here. However, I think it's been a learning experience for us and how to, how to come together, how to have the next guy step up and what it means to put your best foot forward on that line when the time comes. At the end of the day, um, 
we're all there to compete. We're all there to race. And it has been very much for guys who maybe wouldn't have had as much of an opportunity. Um, there's, you know, a chance to knock on the door, a chance to make a difference for those individuals and contribute to the team. So as much as those have been difficult, I think, you know, I'll speak to the perseverance that those athletes who have been injured and are coming back from injury have displayed is incredible and remarkable and, and something that we aspire to and rally around on the team. And, you know, the individuals who have stepped up um, to fill those spots, either temporarily or permanently as the season goes on, um, have been doing a great job. Yeah, I think one thing that's pretty cool about cross country, especially here at, at John Carroll, is that you guys have had opportunities to compete against Division One runners, and and that doesn't happen in every sport. Um, you know, like you think of football, basketball, the baseball, like all of those you know regular team sports. I guess they're more confined to competing against teams in Division Three, but you guys have the flexibility to go up against other runners from Division One and two schools. Uh, you guys have ran at Paul Short this year, which uh, which was at Lehigh Division one in Pennsylvania, and of course the big one at Michigan State, which is where Nationals will be, uh, Forest Acres Golf Course. Um, so how has running uh, at these Division One meets um, and, and against Division One competition have helped, helped you guys throughout this season? Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely helped. Um, we really haven't ran against uh, Division One runners this year, but you know, in the past, we did run at Paul Short last year on the women's side. And but just having those uh, multiple divisions, you know, that aspect of the sport really adds another element of competitiveness. Um, because you know, obviously, some of those top programs are very well uh, and very competitive, but. Yeah, I just I just think having that extra element of competitiveness, you know, it really brings more than just our, um, you know, just the people in our conference. You know, we get to see other individuals, other teams, other schools, and because of that, it adds to our success of our program. Absolutely, and getting to race against you know these D one programs, it elevates your level. It takes you to a place that is beyond where you would be. You see competition at a different level. The way that the races go out, the way that the races are packed in, um, for example, at Lehigh, it's absurd. Like nothing you'll ever experience anywhere else. It's more competitive even than nationals. Um, Just the caliber of talent that is at these races, it primes you and it prepares you mentally and physically for what's to come later down the line. And it helps you as an athlete and as a team to step up to a new height that you've never been to before. So getting those levels of competition, those opportunities, and I think that's something that um, Coach Kyle does such a great job of, is finding competition for the level of athletes that we have. And honestly, that is to compete against D1 athletes, D2, D3, all the way across the board. Um, And that's something cool about the sport and something that we get an opportunity to do, um, which is exciting for sure. Both of you guys mention, um, you keep mentioning competitiveness and, and, and those competitive races against against the bigger schools as well. But how do you guys create a, com- a competitive environment uh, at practice a- a- as well? Yeah, for sure. I think, ironically, the best way that we create a competitive environment is doing the exact opposite, having fun. Um, <laughs> I think having that balance and, you know, having a fun time in practice, um, you know, being together, you know, joking, whatever, really helps us to be competitive when it counts. Um, I personally think about it in terms of like a, a zone, quote unquote. 
Um, you know, you, you can't be in the zone all the time. If you are, you're going to overthink things. Um, and ultimately, that could lead to detrimental performance. So, you know, you have to be focused and ready when it counts. But having those moments of, you know, setback, you know, chill, you know, just bonding with the team and just laughing off, joking in practice are what helps the competitive side when it matters. Yeah. And to add on to that, I think it's knowing when to pick and choose your battles. You have to be intelligent with where you choose. You know, you can only race so many times in a season mentally. You can only compete or go to the well so many times in a season, whether it's physical or mental. So in practice, it's picking and choosing those battles. There's maybe one or two workouts a season where you're really digging, you're really reaching and pushing yourself to you know a place that's beyond what would be a typical workout, almost into that race zone that you were talking mm-hmm. about, Erica. Um, but on the day-to-day, it is we're all working together. Um, I know for myself especially, it's not about competing against my teammates. It's more about competing with my teammates. And that's a unique feature and element of cross country. We're all running the same race. We're all running the same distance. Um, and so that piece, knowing to choose when to go hard, choosing those battles properly is super important. And I think that's one of those things where it's like almost we don't always have a competitive environment in practice because if we did, we would burn out in the middle of the Mm -hmm. season. Do you guys uh, have different routines that you guys do individually as well? Or is that just something that just as a team uh, you guys are focused on, you know, routines at practices, at at meets and, and so forth? Yeah, for sure. We have a bunch of different uh, pre-run and post-run routines. Um, You know, it varies from a bunch of different stretching to dynamic warm-up drills, etc. For pre-practice and then post-practice, you know, a lot of stretching, rolling. We'll do hurdle drills, uh, form drills, you know, all that that good jazz just to help our muscles um, and just, you know, stay, stay healthy ultimately. Yeah, and that's something that I think, you know, there is routine and ritual that is a part of the team, a part of practice beforehand when you're at practice, afterwards, at the lifts, those elements. And then there's also routines that individuals choose to add on themselves. Um, The little things, you know, if I know for myself, like sometimes my low back gives me issues. So I'm doing extra drills and therapy in that direction. And that's part of my routine, whether it's getting ready or in recovery um, to strengthen that area. So it's really to the individual to listen to their body. And that's a big philosophy on our team is to listen to your body and to know when it's time to dig, when it's time to recover, and what that looks like and means for you. And that's something that you know we work on and are guided in. And so the routine becomes not just about the team, but about the individual within that routine. Right, right. Adding on to that, uh, just a quick thought, but I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned in running because with a lot of other sports, more equals better. And so, you know, I was always trying to do, you know, a bunch of core, a bunch of this, a bunch of that. And at the end of the day, you have to have that balance, like you said, Caleb, of the recover, but also getting in those little things. So staying in tune with your body is definitely something that we harp on a lot. Yeah, it's about the art. Running is a lot about the art of saying no and knowing what to say no to. And I think that's something that's really critical um, in the journey for myself as well. Um, doing more is not better. You know, less is often more um, when it comes to refreshing yourself physically and mentally. And, you know, that extends beyond just 
you know, in the running components, it's what you say no to in the other areas of your life and the discipline that you have. Um, and that's something that, you know, Elliot Kipchoge touches on is the idea of this vitamin N or the, you know, the vitamin of no and the power of saying no. And, you know, Elliot obviously being, you know, the, the greatest marathoner to ever live. Um, I think he has some, some profound insight on that. And, and so when he kind of says that it really, I think resonates to the core of running is a lot about discipline, not just what you do, but what you choose not to do. Now, Caleb, uh, I know you, you, you talked, you guys just talked a lot about discipline and, and all that. And, um, you know, Caleb, for you guys on the guys side, um, you know, you, you guys lost some pretty, pretty disciplined runners, uh, from, from last year with, uh, Jamie Daly, Andrew Miner, uh, Ian Pearson, among others. Um, you know, so some tough losses there, but seems like you guys have had a lot of other people step up as well, but you know, how have you guys steered in the right direction, even though you lost a lot of those core runners from, from last year's team? Yeah, great question. You know, Noah, honestly, it's a difficult task. Um, those guys left massive shoes to fill. And the most respect to them for what they built and what they did and what they established for us. And I think this year has been a lot of growing, stepping into those roles, and honestly, adjustment. It's a new way um, of being on the team. It's a new, um, for each member of the team, we're stepping into different roles than we've previously had. So a lot of people have been growing, but there's definitely been some discomfort and some challenges that have come with it because we're wondering, you know, who are the leaders? Not only, you know, in running, but also socially. Who are those guys that we can look to um, as, as examples? And, you know, it takes time to develop those leaders, and I think that's what this year has been. It's been a learning experience. It's been a lot of guys who are younger, who came into the program that was very established because of the guys who had been before, and those younger guys realizing the process that it takes and the grind that it takes and the, the methodology and the way that success happens, whether it's on the national stage or the day-to-day -day, um, practices. And Caleb, I want to focus you, on you a little bit more as well, just about your, your journey here to John Carroll um, and, and what, what got you into running uh, in the first place. And then ultimately, why did you decide uh, to come here to John Carroll? Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up, um, my parents both ran, my mom oh, and my yeah. dad. And I saw that. I was in elementary school. I remember, you know, I wanted to be like them. So I uh, joined running club and I, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool, um, but I was playing soccer at the time. So, you know, I was in soccer, doing travel soccer, and I remember my seventh grade year was the first year that, like, cross country and track were offered um, at my school. And so I jumped all over it. And, and you know, I had my first experience running there. And, and honestly, for me, it was, um, like, I was good at it. I realized, you know, in that track season at the end of my first year, I was like, oh, this is kind of it's kind of nice. Uh, I, I enjoy this. I like to. I like to win. I like this competing thing. And um, as time's gone on, it's really transcended winning and me being good at running. Like being good isn't enough for me anymore. It's about the discipline that it cultivates within my mind, and not just my ability to perform for outcomes, but really the person that running makes me, and who I'm able to be because of my discipline and practice of running. And so um, when I was looking at colleges, um, actually Coach Kyle approached me after I had a, a rather, in my opinion, disappointing performance at the state meet my junior year. And he started talking to me a little bit. We stayed in touch. And just hearing the philosophy 
um, that he had about running, you know, encouraged me to look at John Carroll a little bit more. And, you know, I didn't just choose Carroll because of the running. For me, it was I realized that this was a place where people would go the extra mile for me. They would invest in me and help me to become more than what I was. You know, they would take me under their wing, mentors. Um, I think of Don Winkle in the entrepreneurship yeah. department. I think of um, so many people that he's connected with me with. I think of uh, Dr. Fanukin, who's actually helped me build my own major. And so those kind of people, um, you know, the prophecy proved to be true um, that people would invest in me here at Carroll. And I, I found that to be the case. And that's why I chose to come here. What are some of those ways, um, Caleb, that you feel like that you've gotten better uh, and, and grown more, both not only just in track and cross country that you run, but also outside of that as well? Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that question. Growth for me has looked, uh, it's taken a lot of different forms, but I'd say one of them is knowing myself better and knowing who I am. Um, I've learned a lot socially. College is a great opportunity to experience life with other people and how to navigate and manage relationships. Um, in a lot of different contexts, you get to you know play a game. College is a playground. And so getting to understand people better um, has been a huge way for me that I've grown. Um, I think also in the you know time management side of things, everybody says that, and it's very true. Um, accountability to myself, like at the end of the day, you know, I go back to my room and I know, like what I did or did not do, and I have to own up to that. Like, there's no excuses. It's just me here, and that kind of accountability, I, I love and has helped me to become better, um, because I feel like I owe it to myself, you know, to grow. I feel like I owe it to myself to continue to progress, and so. Those have been some of the ways the the independence and the freedom and the beautiful playground of college um, have kind of taught me. That's it's beautiful. I mean, the people here you can't speak enough to to what what it is at John Carroll, and and you're right about that, Caleb. Uh, every all the people around you that have been able to help you is 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 really what makes this place special, in in my opinion as well. Um, so, Erica, a little bit more about you as well. Um, so, of course, you ha- you run cross country and track as well, mm-hmm. uh, just like Caleb. And uh, but originally, you wanted to uh, you wanted to play basketball in college, um, but then you settled on on track and cross country. So, what was the, what were the reasons why you ultimately decided running uh, over over playing basketball? Right. So, <laughs> my beginning when, with running was probably the exact opposite <laughs> of Caleb's. Um, like you said, I always ever since I was little wanted to play basketball in college that was that was the dream (laughs) and um you know because of that I wanted to do anything and everything I could to be better at basketball so going into my junior year of high school my athletic director reached out and I I'm super close with her and her uh family her daughter played basketball and ran cross country and track with me and she said hey you know you don't do a fall sport you might as well try out cross country. You know, maybe cross country will help with your endurance, help you in basketball, you know, the fourth quarter when everyone's tired and you're still going. <laughs> and I, I said, okay, <laughs> because I did not like running at all, at all. Um, that's an understatement. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I reluctantly said yes, you know, join the team. Um, but I was like, I'm not running in the races at all. You know, this is solely for endurance purposes to get in shape for basketball. And, um, 
you know, I was welcomed into the sport with open arms. My assistant coach, uh, Vern Blaze, who I'm still very close with, shout out to him, um, you know, opened welcome arms, a girl that had never ran before in her life, <laughs> to the team. Um, and, you know, from that point forward, I slowly and slowly began to like running. And I you know, went back on my, on my word that I wasn't going to compete in the meets, uh, when we didn't have enough people to compete in the meets, you know, so you need to have five runners in order to score. And we only had four if I wouldn't have ran, um, in the meets. So I reluctantly said yes to that too. And then from that point forward, you know, a little by little, I grew and grew and then, you know, liked the sport. And, um, I also played softball too, uh, which is why I never ran track until my senior year when I decided to, quit softball and uh, make the the harsh decision of doing that um, to run track, but I don't regret that at all. Um, at that point, when I decided to run track, I really liked cross country in my senior year. You know, my junior year was a little shaky, like I talked about, but that senior year, I, I really started to fall in love with running. And a big part of that is the people, the community. You know, the running community is so unique and that, I mean, I think you could just talk to so many people, you know, people on, you know, everywhere. You go to the the Cuyahoga Valley National Park here and there'll be a runner and they'll just say hi to you. Like, who, who does that right. <laughs> in any other, you know, sport? Uh, they're just so welcoming and friendly. And having my, uh, you know, even though it was a small team, the team at Independence, um, they were just so welcoming and open to me, um, not knowing anything about running and just having me, uh, bringing me into that team just really made my experience, uh, so great. And then talking to coach Kyle, you know, talking to, uh, some college coaches about running with the basketball coaches that I was talking to, um, you know, still wanting to do basketball at the time. But, you know, when I talked to coach Kyle and, uh, Aaron Kylie, who was the graduate assistant at the time, you know, I I knew. I knew I wanted to come to John Carroll because, like Caleb talked about, you know, just from their interaction, you know, sometimes it's hard your first time meetings with someone, but I could tell that both of them were genuinely interested in not just me as a runner, but me as an individual. And, you know, that's huge. Um, and that's definitely one of the top reasons why I came to Carroll, along with obviously the academics and, you know, being only 30 minutes from my home in Independence is definitely a plus too. How much was it an adjustment for you, Erica, to now be running full time and all that, right? and then especially at the college level, which is definitely up, you know above the high school level, um, you know how what was it that all of a sudden you're now running instead of having to focus on basketball? Uh, were there ways that you grew as well during uh, during the last couple of years? Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, my freshman year. I definitely realized that that growth and that change because I got injured. And I think that was inevitable. You know, Coach Coach Kyle and I, we, t- we talk about that a lot. Uh, not so much reminiscing, but just looking back on that time. And I don't think we could have stopped that from happening solely because I had never ran at this level before. You know, and I had never ran uh, in the fall uh, winter and then spring all in one because of basketball and softball in high school. So doing that, getting injured and then, you know, having to have that mindset and that discipline to get back on track um, was definitely huge and helped me a lot 
in my collegiate uh, running career so far. Talking with Erica Esper and Caleb Correa, two members of the John Carroll cross-country teams here as they look forward to the OAC championships this Saturday. Um, So as I mentioned before, Erica and Caleb, both of you guys run track as well. Um, Caleb, I'm probably probably a little bit more track track oriented. Yeah, I would say yes. definitely more of a track guy, but uh, got to be the eight k for cross. So. <laughs> and, and Erica, definitely uh, more more cross country um, focused. I would say, but how does both sports, you know, help help you guys in what you're doing right now in in cross country, or you know, like how does it help you in track? How does it help you in cross country, and vice vice versa? Yeah, there's a lot of interplay there. So um, I'm an 800 guy, middle distance, mm-hmm. kind of 800 um, and mile. I run the 4x4 four four and, you know, all these middle distance events. Um, cross country is, yeah, much longer of a race, much uh, much different. Your body adapts to, those mi- to that mileage. Um, and what it does is actually gives you a great base um, aerobically um, in – your capacity, your breathing wise, uh, and your ability to like run for extended periods of time is greatly increased. And also your strength. Um, so your aerobic strength, um, is huge. So then when you turn around and you try to do, um, reps or maintain the speed, um, in the 800 or in the mile, you have more of an ability to do so. And it makes the transition into the track season actually a lot smoother when you have that base. Um, it's, getting your legs up to speed um basically doing faster reps but your breathing is already there like your your body feels like okay i can run this pace it's just my legs hurt my legs burn and once your legs and your muscles adjust to the increased power output you're looking really really quick and you can maintain for multiple laps in that middle distance um kind of race and then um as far as the interplay back like track um I think there's a lot of, I mean, it's competitive in both, but track keeps you sharp um, for cross country on that front and also gives you some of that um, top end speed, the ability to kick, um, the ability to get out, and uh, also some of the kind of uh, the explosive strength sometimes you need in the stability where, you know, you're on uneven courses and you have to use um, sometimes some rather athletic movements to, you know, somebody falls down in front of you to jump (laughs) over and stuff like that. And um, track gives you, I think, a little bit of that um, athleticism and power. Right. No, I I agree for sure. Cross country is definitely more strength oriented where track is more speed oriented. So having that that base mileage, that base, you know, endurance like Caleb talked about helps greatly for track. And it's kind of ironic because, you know, unlike Caleb, I am a a 10 (laughs) Ker. I am the long distance 800. uh, No, that's not (laughs) that's not my wheelhouse. Um so it's kind of funny, you know, having a track distance that's longer than cross country, but that base mileage does really help me um, in cross country. And the, especially the lifts um, that we do at T-Rob, you know, are very strength oriented in building your weights and uh, different kinds of movements um, really help for track. And then on the track end, like Caleb talked about, you know, having that speed and definitely that um, competitive uh, nature, not that cross country is isn't competitive, but I think uh, it's definitely more so on the track just because, you know, edging someone out at the end of the race, you know, it's it's definitely, uh, uh, you know, more mental in that aspect. And in both cross country and track are, are mental in different ways, which um, helps each other too. So, you know, cross country, you know, 
it's not it's not an oval. <laughs> so you don't know exactly where you are. You have a general idea of, of how much you have left in a race, but having that mental capacity, whereas in track, you know, you need to have a strong mental mindset. For example, in a 10K, if you know you have 20 laps to go, you know. <laughs> um, so having both uh, the, the mental uh, toughness in both of those areas um, help each other in that way. Now, in cross country, is there, do you guys have strategies when you guys run or is it just run as hard as you can through the whole race or is it like, do you guys run in packs at all or is it, is it more individually based? Yeah, I, it's definitely pack uh, oriented like you talked about. I think that is another big reason why we found success so far this year is because, um, you know, our top however many runners i mean we we run as a pack uh in different packs you know so much and that's that's why you see so much success i mean you can look at d1 schools d2 schools and other you know good d3 schools out there and you know you'll see you'll look at the results and you'll you'll see them place you know six seven eight 25 26 27 you know and that's because the runners are coming in together because they raced as a pack and you know that's what we've been doing i mean for example you take last week um or a few weeks ago at the 2022 oberlin interregional rumble and uh Cam, Morgan Edwards, and I, you know, ran the majority of that race together. And, you know, that really helps when you have your teammates by your side. And honestly, for for other teams, that's that's pretty intimidating, too, I think, in a way. Yeah, when you train with somebody every day, and then you tell the line, and you're next to each other, you understand their movements. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you move even as one, um, because mm-hmm. you know, you know, okay, I, my, I'm picking up my teammate let's let's really make a push here because i know this is where they might die out or feel a little bit weaker and you can kind of get a read on one another so pack running is huge the strategy is um is, is massive to to leverage one another as long as you can in the race and running together as best as you can um really allows for uh, kind of the maximum uh knowledge of one another uh the maximum like effectiveness of that to really come through so yeah, strategies strategies are big, um, and also, you know, sometimes you'll leverage guys who might not be um, at, of the same caliber to go out together and then spread um, throughout the race. So it kind of like offshoots in the last mile or mile and a half, um, and that's just a great tactic to kind of conserve as much energy as possible early on and then at the end see what everybody has kind of left in the tank so um, there's a lot of strategy and a lot of pack running in cross country they say you know coach talks about a lot uh, cross country is really you're running for and with the team whereas track is a lot of times more individual because you don't have as many guys out there um, with you now I know both of you guys alluded to coach Kyle sister earlier as well uh, and and I just want to ask you guys. You guys speak really, really highly of him as well. Um, and I want to ask you, what is it about Kyle Basista that makes him such a great coach? I mean, when you think when you think about that as well, with um, you know, we don't have the facilities, especially as a lot of these other schools as well. So even doing it without you know an indoor track or you know we can't even run meets at the outdoor track and, <laughs> yeah, and whatnot, running all over and have our own cross country facility as all as well but what is it specifically that you guys think that that makes him such such an outstanding coach yeah i can definitely touch on this one kyle has 
such a fantastic understanding of the athlete, um, yeah. of the individual. I think that's one of the unique things about him. His, pers- his perspective is not, okay, a lot of big programs, a lot of programs in general, what they will do is they have a cookie-cutter formula and they will take in, you know, 20 recruits, shove them all into the same formula, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes pushing, you know, high mileage and um, some strategies where a lot of guys will break or they won't get better um, and it doesn't work for them. But, you know, the three to five guys who make it out of that program end up being pretty good or pretty solid or advancing because that was what was going to always work for them. Kyle doesn't take that approach. What he does is breaks it down for the individual athlete where they are, you know, leveraging, did they start running when they were a junior in high school? (laughs) Have they been running for, you know, 10 years in advance already? What can they handle? What mileage have they done? He calculates all these things, puts them together and creates an individual plan. So you're not just... Uh, you know, another cog in the same machine, you are an individual person that's treated that way, um, which I think is huge. Another thing is Kyle really cares a lot. He invests a lot of time. And to say not only Kyle, but also our grad assistant, uh, not even grad assistant anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jordan, higher coach, assistant. Yeah. Jordan Door. Um, Promotion. Yeah. <laughs> let me not get it twisted. Um, yeah. Jordan and Kyle put in so much time, so much above and beyond like love and dedication to the team um to the point of individual mentorship um like working on mindset there's so many times i've just gone into their office and talked about talked about life talked about perspectives on running and it's made me so much sharper and those extra details those things that nobody else sees are what separate them as coaches from you know the 99.9% of others who do not do that and do not take the time to uh, make that kind of impact and difference on each of us. I completely agree, Caleb. I honestly have no idea how Kyle and Jordan do it sometimes. It's I'm, absurd. It, it's, it is it's, crazy. It's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our team is bigger than ever before uh, this year. Um, you know, we keep growing and growing, and they still find a way to have that individual a connection with each and every person on this team. And, you know, going back to the, the individualness that you were talking about, Caleb, we have um, individual meetings a few times a season, I'd say, yeah. around. Um, and, you know, you just go in there and you talk about, you know, maybe you talk a little bit about running, but for me, I, I talk about a lot about life and sometimes I don't even talk about running and I could just sit, I've sat in there for hours before and just talk to them and you genuinely know that they, that they care. And that's what I, you know, was uh, talking about when I was talking about when I first came here and talked to Kyle and Aaron and, um, now Jordan too becoming the assistant uh, coach of the program, well deserved. But yeah, it's it's just unreal how much time and effort and just hours on end that they put in to this program um, and growing the program, uh, both with the recruiting aspect and then just the current members too. You know, you can tell uh, when someone you know buys in buys into you and really truly cares about you and that's why we found success because Kyle buys into you and then in turn you buy into the program and having both of those sides meet up you know that's just a recipe for success right there 
final question. Final question for you guys. Uh, you know, as as we look ahead to OACs this weekend at Muskingum, their Agnes uh, Moorhead Farm course, uh, which is just dedicated to cross country. They're actually one of only two Ohio schools to have a dedicated cross country facility. You know, on their on their uh, premises. Um, so what do you guys know about the course uh, in general? And uh, also, what's it going to take for both of you, both your teams uh, to win that, to defend that OAC crown and, and hopefully make it back to nationals in, in about a month? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what we know about the course is um, there's a couple of hills. And, uh, <laughs> I know you guys never ran there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of loops, um, which is perfectly fine, you know, and honestly reminds us of a place that we've recently been training at um, not too far from here and, you know, perfect we've had great workouts at that location and we're gonna have a great race uh on saturday i believe i think to defend it it's just gonna be honestly there's there's nothing more the work has been done it's been put in we show up on the line we show up that day and we race and we give it all that we have and it's you know there's a lot of a lot of people get bent out of shape uh you know who's this who's that what other teams are there oh the conditions all that kind of stuff and for us it comes down to it's what we do on the day We've been training for this. We've been preparing for this. And there's nothing that's going to get in the way of that. We're going to put out our best effort that we possibly can. And however the cards fall, that's what it is. But we know and we look back upon, we'll be able to say, like, we gave everything we had. And that's what counts for us. And that's our focus going into this Saturday. Oh, exactly, Caleb. Um, like you said, Noah, we, we haven't raced here before. Um, so we've never actually been on the course for that matter, but we do know it's a little hilly. <laughs> it's hilly out in, in Muskingum, um, but that's okay. You know, it's the same course for everyone, so we're not really worried about that. But additionally, like Caleb touched on, you know, it's just giving your best on the day, on the any given day. Um, you know, so the the hay is already in the barn, <laughs> and the, the, the racing is, I mean, racing is hard in itself, but, you know, it's the easy part. It's the it's the training that's the hard the hard part leading up to it, you know, and putting in all those miles and all those hard workouts and hard efforts. Um, you know, the fitness is there, so we just have to trust our in ourselves and trust in our abilities. Um, and that said, um, you know, racing, it's sometimes you have to sacrifice the outcomes. You know, the outcomes aren't everything. Um, you know, it could be a performance indicator, but at the end of the day, you know, one performance doesn't define how anyone's fitness is. So, you know, if we just go out there and give it our best effort, um, we should find success. Erica Esper and Caleb Correa joining us here on the Streak Center podcast, both members of the John Carroll cross country team. And uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck at the OAC championships this weekend. Thanks so much, Noah. Really appreciate the time. It's awesome to be here. Thanks, Noah. Happy to be here with you again, and go Streaks! You're listening to Streak Center on jcusports.com. For the latest news on all things JCU Sports, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at jcusports, or visit jcusports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. And a big, big thank you to Caleb Correa and Erica Esper for coming on the Streak Center podcast and sharing 
about their careers and about the team this season and giving us a little bit of an OAC preview, I guess, uh, for the OAC championships coming up this Saturday, uh, October 29th at the Angus Moorhead Farm in uh, at Muskingum. And as I, as I mentioned in the interview, it's only one of two schools in the whole state of Ohio that has just a dedicated cross-country facility. That's also where the team uh, competes in archery because Muskingum has an archery team and they're also one of the few schools in Ohio to have a dedicated uh, place on campus for uh, archery as well. And fun fact about this course, so Angus Moorhead was a famous actress uh, from the 1950s and 60s. She is class of 1923 at Muskingum and she was in famous movies like Citizen Kane and be and the TV show Bewitched. And some people think that Citizen Kane with Orson Welles is one of the greatest movies ever made. And she was in that. So she was in of course the famous TV show Bewitched and one of the most famous movies of all time, Citizen Kane. Both had key starring roles in those movies. So Angus Moorhead, that is what that farm is named after at Muskingum where the Blue Streaks will be competing this weekend. Hopefully they will defend their OAC crowns in both the men's and women's side, which should hopefully uh, give them a little bit of momentum heading into regionals, which will be in two weeks from now. Also, the winter sports seasons are getting underway. Swimming will start this weekend against Ohio Northern here at the Johnson Natatorium on campus. That'll be, yes, Saturday, October 29th, both men's and women's, against Ohio Northern. Remember, Ohio Northern was the team that they lost to in dual meets last year. That was when the pool was under reconstruction and they had to have home meets at Cleveland State. So hopefully the Blue Streaks uh, will uh, start their uh, season off on the right foot against uh, the Polar Bears on Saturday. Wrestling starts on uh, November 4th. They'll head to Lake Erie College and face off against uh, the Storm, uh, Division II school. And then men's and women's basketball, they're starting some scrimmages up this weekend, but their first regular season games of the season will take place on the November 11th and 12th. Um, they'll have the John Carroll tip-off tournaments here sponsored by Winking Lizard, uh, which is uh, which will be that weekend, um, same weekend as Senior Day uh, for football against Otterbein as well. want to thank uh, all you folks for tuning in to this episode of the Streak Center podcast, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at StreakCenterJCU, also on JCUSports.com, and at JCUSports on Twitter. JCUSports.com, you'll get all of the latest coverage of John Carroll Athletics, as well as live stream links and live stats links to each and every one of our athletic matches uh, and, and games this season. And I know that they'll be having some video for uh, the OAC Championships for Cross Country this weekend, uh, and also a little bit of uh, some live times uh, as well that you can view on uh, jcusports.com. But thank you again, folks, for tuning in. And make sure to tune in next week only on the Streak Center Podcast. <laughs>